If you enjoy this episode on Susan B. Anthony's historic trip to the polls, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Today in True Crime. Every day, we travel back in time to relive the biggest events in true crime history, from the infamous to the just plain interesting. Follow Today in True Crime, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, November 5th, 2020. On this day in 1872, Susan B. Anthony cast her ballot in a U.S. federal election, which was illegal at the time. Her activism would later lead to a constitutional amendment granting women the right to vote in the United States. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering suffragette Susan B. Anthony's illegal vote and the dramatic aftermath. Let's go back to Rochester, New York, around 7 in the morning on November 5th, 1872. In the early morning light, 52-year-old Susan B. Anthony made her way to a polling place at the West End News Depot. Susan had been planning for this day for years. She and 15 other women, including three of her sisters, were about to make history. Upon entering the depot, Susan and her fellow suffragettes were faced with three male election inspectors. They had confronted the same three men four days prior and had demanded to be registered for the upcoming federal election. The registrars refused at first, but Susan debated the finer points of the Constitution with them until they concluded that they had no choice but to let her register. It was a wise move on their part not to stand in her way. As Susan demonstrated time and time again, once she had decided on a course of action, nothing could stop her. With that indomitable spirit, Susan filled out her ballot. She threw her support behind Ulysses S. Grant and the Republican ticket, as that party was the only one to offer at least nominal support for women's rights. Susan handed her folded ballot to an election inspector and watched as he placed it in a box to be counted. Susan didn't think she would actually be able to vote that day. She didn't even think she would be allowed to register. But now she had done both. Mission accomplished. She and the other women returned home. They had gotten away with a crime. A rather tame one, but a crime nonetheless. New York state law very pointedly only granted men the right to vote. By federal law, Susan and her accomplices could be sentenced to three years in prison and a fine of $500. 
the women were well aware they were breaking the law, they voted anyway as part of a broader strategy to challenge the statutes which denied them their rights. The way they saw it, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution clearly granted them the right to vote. Passed four years earlier, the amendment stated that all persons born or naturalized in the United States are citizens, and that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens. By their reasoning, voting was an integral privilege of being a U.S. citizen, so they were within their rights to cast their ballots. Now their goal was to get their right to vote formally enshrined in law. For the moment, it seemed like they had won a major victory, but the ordeal was far from over. Nine days after Susan cast her vote, arrest warrants were issued for her and her 14 associates. On November 18th, almost two weeks after the offense, a deputy federal marshal took Susan into custody. On January 22nd of the following year, 1873, a grand jury indicted her and the other female voters. Susan pleaded not guilty, and her bail was set at $1,000, an exorbitant amount for the time. She refused to pay it on principle. Fortunately, her attorney, Henry Selden, fronted the cost. In the months leading up to her trial, Susan took her defense into her own hands. To make her case directly to the public, she traveled to no less than 29 localities and gave a pointed speech titled, Is it a crime for a U.S. citizen to vote? Susan's public relations blitz was so effective that the U.S. attorney Richard Crowley moved her trial to the circuit court 28 miles away. In response, Susan simply traveled to the new locale and gave her speech there. The stage was set for an explosive proceeding, one that would help shape the women's suffrage movement for decades to come. Coming up, Susan B. Anthony's shockingly unjust trial and the continuing fight for women's suffrage in America. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. In June of 1873, 53-year-old Susan B. Anthony stood trial for casting a ballot in defiance of New York state law. Her illegal vote was part of an organized legal strategy on the part of the National Women's Suffrage Association, which Susan had founded along with Elizabeth Cady Stanton in 1869. Susan and the NWSA believed that the 14th Amendment guaranteed them the right to vote as U.S. citizens. Now, they wanted to win a case in federal court to prove it once and for all. 
Unfortunately, it was an uphill battle. In the months between Susan's vote and her trial, the Supreme Court made a ruling in Bradwell v. Illinois, which narrowly defined the specific rights that came with U.S. citizenship. This made it even more difficult for Susan to win her case based on the provision of the 14th Amendment. With these high stakes, Susan's trial began on June 17, 1873. Both sides of the case were argued in front of a jury of 12 men. After two days of intense testimony, Justice Hunt found Susan guilty of voting illegally. His ruling was a foregone conclusion. Hunt read from a statement he'd written before the trial even began. But then Hunt made a very unexpected move. He shared his opinion that Susan had willfully violated the law and he directed the jury to return a guilty verdict. Keep in mind, this was a criminal trial, which by law was meant to be decided by a jury. But in one fell swoop, the judge took this power away and decided the case himself. Susan's attorney objected to this miscarriage of justice, but he was ignored. The judge adjourned the court without hearing from the jury at all. After steamrolling the proceedings, Judge Hunt did at least allow Susan to say a few words before handing down his sentence, and she capitalized on the opportunity. Finally, free to speak her mind in the courtroom, Susan delivered a powerful speech. She pointed out the travesty that she hadn't even received a jury of her peers, since all of the jurors were men, and the judge had taken over anyway. Susan went further, condemning the entire proceeding, saying that it had trampled underfoot every vital principle of our government. After Susan spoke, Justice Hunt sentenced her to pay a fine of $100 for her crime, in addition to legal fees for the prosecution. But Susan outright refused. She vowed that she would never pay a dollar of your unjust penalty. True to her word, she never did. Furthermore, Susan committed herself to, quote, rebel against your man-made, unjust, unconstitutional forms of law that tax, fine, imprison, and hang women while they deny them the right of representation in the government. Taking such a confrontational stance was plenty bold, but she didn't stop there. In January of 1874, she took her case directly to Congress, petitioning the body to cancel her fine because her trial was carried out unjustly. Sadly, this bid was unsuccessful, but Susan continued to fight for women's right to vote in other ways. Unfortunately, the movement suffered a major setback the following year. In March of 1875, the Supreme Court ruled that neither the Constitution nor the 14th Amendment granted women's suffrage. It was a stinging blow for Susan and the NWSA, but they regrouped and came up with a new strategy. At the 1876 meeting, the organization announced their goal of a new constitutional amendment to finally explicitly guarantee voting rights to all American women. 
Tragically, though, Susan died in 1906 at the age of 86. She passed away nine years before New York State allowed women the right to vote, and 14 years before the 19th Amendment granted that right to women across the nation. Ratified in 1920, the long-awaited legislation read in part, the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. This was word for word exactly as Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton had drafted the proposed amendment 41 years previously. Even from beyond the grave, Susan left an indelible mark on the country she fought so hard to change for the better. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories about America's women's suffrage movement, check out the Historical Figures episode on Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nani Okwalagu, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 